Good morning. Sunday morning. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. I'm Alan, coming to, the, from, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater it's Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio, so to our live show that we put on every single week to bring you guys our facts and analysis of what's going on in the world today, what you can make of the news, what sense is out there, as well as just... Man, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of Twitter stuff all the time right now just because of the whole Elon Musk thing, but... Uh, a lot of news that's going on, but let's start it off on a really fun note. Let's have let's have a little bit of fun today. Um, for those who care about these sort of things, which I totally understand if you don't, um, there was a hilarious exchange a couple of weeks ago between a popular account on Twitter known as Cat Turd, um, which as far as anyone can tell is an internet cat. Uh, in reality, it's obviously somebody who posts a lot of political stuff. Doesn't really matter. Point is, is that it's an internet cat and the handle is cat turd. Well, uh-huh. cat turd posted a meme a few weeks back and it angered none other than Adam Kinzinger. And for no apparent reason, um, out of boredom or sheer, just wanted to have a lot of fun. Tucker Carlson decided to cover this, uh, argument between Adam Kinzinger and cat turd, the internet cat. And the reason why I'm highlighting it is because, well, within the next few weeks, obviously we're going to celebrate the holidays. So people are going to kind of be, you know, out of politics for a little while. But while we're celebrating the holidays, Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney are going to be packing up their offices and going away forever. Uh, Even though Democrats have told us that they will go down in history as being defenders of democracy by probably summer, no one will remember their names. And anytime we mention them on this program, we'll actually have to remind you who the hell they were. So mm. with that being stated, I want to play Tucker Carlson's entire rendition of what was going on with this argument between Cat Turd and Adam Kinzinger. It could not stand. And so alone and battling debilitating hot flashes in his kitchen, fighting the urge to open yet another bag of Chips Ahoy, Adam Kinzinger fought back. Literal evil, he wrote in a late night response to Cat Turd. If I met you in person, it would not end well for you, sicko. Whoa, hear that, Cat Turd? It will not end well for you. That's not a pillow fight Adam Kinzinger is talking about. That's a full-on slap fight with hair pulling. This is real. You'd better apologize. Our heart goes out to Cat Turd tonight, who's probably cowering in a litter box somewhere, waiting for Adam Kinzinger to show up with sharpened nails. Mock the Ukrainian flag, get scratched. Those are the rules, Cat Turd. It's a tough town. Meow. But speaking of how it will all end, how's it going to end for Adam Kinzinger? Well, we suspect it'll end like it began, in anonymity. In just weeks, Adam Kinzinger will be another CNN contributor. No one will ever see him again. But we will never forget him. Adam Kinzinger will live forever in our hearts as an example of what a man can be when he stops trying to be a man and unleashes the emotionally fragile divorced single mom within. Have another glass of Chardonnay and listen to me cry. Yes, Ms. Kinzinger, we will. So here it is one last time. 
never expected a day to be <clears throat> quite as emotional for me as it has been. But you guys won. You guys held. You know, democracies are not defined by our bad days. Au revoir, Adam Kinziger. See you at SoulCycle. I don't know why that entertained me so much, but it did. And yeah. I had to share. Um, mostly just because any chance I get to point out the theater of all of this is um, necessary. And let me let me explain why to to those out there in the audience. Um, it's easy for us to get really wrapped up in a lot of different political things and just really focused on what's going on in the day to day. And there is a certain point that we really try hard to do on this program here where we really try to recognize what is theater and what is not. In other words, try to explain to people what they should actually be concerned about and what they're forcing to be concerned about. And nothing was more illustrative of that fact than the whole January 6th committee hearings. I know that for this audience, we really didn't have to do a lot of heavy lifting to point out to all of you that it's just political theater. But what's amazing is how long it was allowed to go on for, even though very few people really paid attention or cared. And that committee is going to be releasing their report soon. And of course, for those who aren't aware, after all of this time, after a year of this committee, they scrubbed out any references to the failures of law enforcement on January 6th. They scrubbed out any communications that happened with law enforcement and between law enforcement and, you know, the sergeant at arms and all these other groups. Um, they've scrubbed out all of it. In fact, it's entirely just a get Trump scheme, as we've said. But what's going to be interesting is I want you all to remember that while we go into some of the other actions that were going on with the FBI, primarily when it comes to social media later on in this program, because you're starting to see the picture that is being painted. And that picture is one of the FBI taking the position of the KGB. And the fact is, is that federal law enforcement, the intelligence community, all of them have participated in what can only really be defined as a coup against the American people. And the way to cover up that coup against the American people was to hold theatrical uh, hearings like what we saw on January 6th and even co-opt some Republicans to repeat the talking points of the leftists who wanted to take, who want to take the country away from you. So mm -hmm. that's my fun introduction to it. Alan didn't laugh anywhere near as much as I thought he would, but it's probably just because he hates these people so much. He can't mostly it's that it's the fact that it's all <laughs> so fake that I, just get enraged that we have to even suffer these people to live in the same country as us. You guys, you guys won. Oh my God. Ah, uh, anyway. So there are several things that have occurred, but the one that one, one that I really, really, really want to open up on is what I actually think is a massive scandal that people aren't covering because it has to do with the economy and people don't like to talk about the economy because, well, to be honest, it's very boring to a lot of folks. Uh, but the jobs numbers report was released 
or, or I'm sorry, it was revised. Hmm. And we warned of this. This was something I warned about on Twitter. And additionally, uh, it's kind of been a constant talking point that I've used about how we know that these things are going to be manipulated. So the Federal Reserve Bank of Philadelphia estimates that the employment data was vastly overstated in 2022. In fact, now that the election's over, there were only 10,000 jobs added instead of the 1.1 million that were reported from March to June of 2022. Wow. That's a lot of jobs. So as highlighted in the early benchmark revisions of state payroll employment from the research department of the federal reserve bank of Philadelphia, they say in the aggregate, 10,500 net new jobs were added during the period rather than the 1,121,500 jobs estimated by the sum of the states. The US CES estimated net growth of 1,047,000 jobs for the period. Um, I have questions. The Federal Reserve can be off of a giant amount to where they said, you know how we said that there were 1.1 million jobs reported? It was actually 10,000. And I'm not misreading that number. Yeah. Isn't that, that is a shocking amount to get wrong and to report wrong. And that nobody fact-checked this. Nobody in the media, nobody else in the government, not of the thousands of people whose eyes saw this report and saw all, and had access to all the same data the FBI had, or the, pardon, the Federal Reserve had. Nobody said anything? So like, how did this... That's, that's how, pretty weird. It is very weird that your numbers could be so far off and it still got released this way and it was... I have to imagine that either everyone's incompetent or this was intentional knowing misdirection by all parties involved. How is it that far off and nobody catches it? That's a good, that is the, that's the, that's, that is the question. I know when they released those numbers, I was at sound, it was a little skeptical. I didn't know enough at the time to really question it, but I thought that seems like we've, that seems a lot, that seems too high. But well, at the same time, it's kind of like, well, all I can do is say, well, that seems high. But it seems like somebody should have should have investigated that. At the minimum, inside the Federal Reserve, you think someone would have questioned that and said, wait, this number sounds way too high. We don't want to report something this far, far off. I mean, I could understand if someone in the regime wanted to present a glowing picture of how well they're doing, sure, maybe they kind of fudge the numbers and instead of adding 10,000 jobs, they say, well, it's more like 20,000. We can have a broad definition here. And if someone catches us on this or calls us out, 
we won't be so far off that we will be still close enough to reality that we can claim our, you know, we use different calculations, different numbers. It won't be this glaringly obvious. It won't just be a obvious outright fabrication. But they obviously didn't do that, which means that if someone recognized this, they were overruled. Just like, nah, nah, just publish it. Just go for it. Doesn't matter if we're wrong. What are they going to do? How is it? Well, okay. So when, when these numbers were being released, what a lot of people were doing was pointing out that it was like, there were a ton of jobs that were basically lost or I, I don't know a better way to say it uh, during COVID, like COVID lockdowns. And so those are the comparison numbers that are being used. So what a lot of conservatives were doing, were taking the baseline of jobs pre-COVID and then going, okay, and that, that was the manipulation that we were initially pointing out by the Biden regime, which is they, it's the same thing that you saw during the Obama years. The economy tanks, then it still doesn't even recover to what it was prior to the tanking that occurs, but they go, look at how great we're doing. We're up by like a bazillion percent, though they're still under where they were before the economy crashed and they're doing the exact we're seeing the exact same action happen here or at least we thought we were seeing the same actions happen when it came to covid numbers we had so many jobs on the books basically uh in fact we had i mean historic jobs numbers under president trump then coronavirus happened magically and totally not planned uh and it crashed the economy and we lost a ton of jobs because people were locked down. And then the Biden regime comes out and says, look at all the jobs we created. But in reality, we never reached back to those initial employment numbers. So that's what a lot of conservatives were pointing out. But this seems markedly different when you say, oh, well, we told everybody that we added 1.1 million, but it was really only 10,000 jobs. 10,000 jobs is like an average size city. Yeah, that's in reality that that's just a few new businesses in a few like locations. That's not that many. And yeah, it's it's more pronounced that the biggest part for me and the more scandalous aspect for me is there are people whose job it is to make sense of what's going on in our economy. You have economists, you have entire news channels like CNBC or uh, entire news organizations like Bloomberg or even Reuters, whose job it is to make sense of what's going on in the market. And they're supposed to basically provide a background news and analysis that would guide people into understanding what's happening within the market, within the economies, so they they could then make informed decisions about where to invest their money, whether or not to take certain financial risks. And this is business and just regular people. But none of those groups caught it. None of those groups caught a 99% inflation of numbers, which, pardon me for being ignorant, the quote, experts in financial markets should have been able to look at signs and say, I'm not seeing anything reflective of 1.1 million new jobs. Because you would think that the market would react a certain way with those kinds of numbers, would it not? Exactly. So 
now the question is, is are we completely incapable of checking the work of, of the Federal Reserve? In other words, they're able to work completely with zero oversight and no one's actually able to check their numbers? Or is it that all of the media and uh, analytical people and the economists are all tied to the same horse and they all knew it was wrong, but it was good for Biden and we were heading into a midterm, so they kept their mouths shut? Or is it something even more nefarious where the powers that be knew that the numbers were wrong and knew that the people that weren't in the club or in the circle were going to make certain financial decisions and then the people in the know were able to make other financial decisions that would result in them being able to make money hand over fist because they were part of the club that knew the actual facts. It has to be basically one of those three situations. Right, exactly. So which one do you think it was, Alan? <laughs> I think I think it was someone in the administration just doing a bald-faced lie. And I want to think they did it just because it would help their side in the midterms. But I can't help but think that someone would release this, especially because it's the Federal Reserve and they're all financial nerds. If you're going to release this kind of information that is this blatantly wrong and is then also used by a bunch of other investors and people that make investmenty decisions, you'd be positioned very well to make a lot of money on that kind of misdirection. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it, it could just be both. Like, hey, we'll release these fake numbers. Us and all of our buddies are all in the know so we can make investment decisions based on the wrong moves that other investors are going to make based on our fraudulent data. And we get the ben political benefit of helping out our side in the upcoming midterms. I mean, that that's as good an explanation as any, but an explanation is necessary. How do you F this? I mean, I, I, I get it. Like I said, the economy is boring for a lot of people, but these kinds of things are what influence business decisions. They influence banks. They influence your interest rates. Um, it, 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 it's numbers like these that will become the baseline for what mortgage rates are set at, what interest rates right. on, on different investments are set at, what how your 401k performs right. is and based is on a, these it, numbers. Exactly. And this is why it's such a big deal. And they're Unfortunately, we currently do not have an explanation from the Federal Reserve on why these numbers are different. Now, maybe I could see something like, oh, we counted people going from part-time to full-time as adding a whole job or some kind of weird thing like that. And it's like, oh, like new jobs we knew were wrong, but are technically on by our rules, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it was something like that, but as far as now, we have no explanation from the Federal Reserve how they got this so, so wrong, which is shocking because of every every government institution, the Federal Reserve, which is a private entity, by the way, um, should know better than to do this. Their entire job that they do for the U.S. government as a private uh, bank that has no real oversight, uh, 
their whole job is to moderate the US economy in a way that keeps things stable and growing. And getting numbers like this so wrong make the US economy more fragile and susceptible to ups and downs and problems, which is right. the entire job the Federal Reserve is supposed to avoid. So that makes it doubly curious how, why they would get this wrong, why would they would get something this incredibly wrong, which would cause big disruptions throughout a lot of the US economy. Now, maybe it's not going to be grind things to a crashing halt, but it causes a level of instability that they eat that they're basically employed by the government to avoid. Well, and I think a very serious part of it too, even if they come out, because I, at best, I think the excuse is going to be, well, we were showing jobs that were created. So that was honest. It was 1.1 million, but in reality, it was a bunch of people returning to work after lockdowns. And so the actual new, fresh, brand new, shiny, not previously held jobs is only 10,000. But there's like maybe zero way you couldn't do. We were doing that math the entire time these numbers were being released. So we know yeah. for a fact that the economist people could do it. Now, there is some potential, I might say, for... Again, we since we don't have an explanation from the Federal Reserve, all of this is speculation. But if potentially, they could say, well, if we lied, people would make these financial moves and these numbers would change, and that would help the, econ the U.S. economy avoid a recession. However, if we're honest, then people will react to this information appropriately and you know send the US economy in a downward spiral like we had to lie to save the economy now i i don't like that they would do that but i can that's the best case scenario well in in your best case scenario which mm -hmm. you know might be seem understandable that is in fact not a free market well yeah very true i i mean just at the end of the day if we have a principle and that principle is that we support the free market then those things have to occur because they would be the natural reaction of said market. But it's funny that you bring that up because that is essentially what every member of the administration uh, is admitting to when it comes to COVID. We had to lie so people would do what we needed them to do. And it was for everybody's, we lied to you for your own good. Yeah, exactly. And so it comes it comes down to the fundamental Which I don't question. like. I don't like yeah. that they would do that. Well, it comes down to the fundamental question of is it okay for the government to lie to you if they think it's for your own good, which opens up an entire Pandora's box of does the government get to decide what is and is not good for you? And secondarily, are you too stupid to know what is and is not good for you? Because both of those exactly. things have to exist for that decision to be made. When somebody like the government comes out and says, we had to lie to you for your own good, what they're really saying is you're too stupid to interpret the facts properly. Exactly. Yeah. Because and it's, it's dangerous day, if we allow you to interpret the facts properly. Oh, it's very dangerous. And we know our government feels that way. Yeah. Because then <laughs> we, the question we, is, well, dangerous to whom? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, right. Additionally, That's... on some of the smaller stories that happened, um, there was a House committee meeting on anti-LGBTQ hate. 
Oh no. And that's the worst as, kind of hate. Well, <laughs> and speaking of lies, uh, the predicate of a whole bunch of the witness testimony that happened here was talking about the Colorado Springs Club Q shooting because it was just, it was so endemic of anti-LGBTQ hate and targeting, and it's all just this part of all these angry, mean people who were just so bad at transgenders, except it was a transgender who pulled off the shooting. I mean, you can't deny that if you are truly a leftist, if you truly buy into the whole transgender theory and multiple genders and 73 different genders and all this other nonsense, you can't deny that that person is transgender. You have zero right and ability to question what this mm-hmm. suspect said. The The suspect in the shooting says that they are transgender. You're not allowed to question that. You're not allowed to put barriers in the way. That's hateful and bigotry. Nobody would ever make up something as as important as their gender identity for something like attention or to get out of trouble. That's impossible. And only bigots think such a way. Oh, wow. Am I wrong? I mean, I've seen conservatives accuse people of using transgenderism as a security blanket to get themselves out of trouble. And we're consistently told that that's hate speech and bigotry to even suggest such a thing. But apparently when somebody goes in and shoots up a gay club and says that they're transgender, well, not that person because that really ruins the narrative. It it certainly would. So color me fascinated that they're not consistent and that all of this is in bad faith. But (laughs) of course, in this committee hearing, they have several advocates for trans rights on there uh, to include. um, Let me make sure I get the name here. Um, This is a man who became a woman known as Jesse Pocock. Hmm. There's so many jokes there. Um, I almost per- mispronounced it as Jesse Nocock. I I apologize. It's Pocock. Oh, dear. Um, it's, I don't know how I almost mispronounced it, but uh, this is one of the witnesses who runs a organization known as Inside Out Youth Services. Uh, that helps like children who identify as transgender and helps them get services in Colorado for uh, gender reassignment surgery and counseling and things like that. And um, and and this person was asked about their opinions on parental involvement. So uh, this is this is the response. Do parents have a right? Should they be informed about what's going on? Do they have a right to know what's going on in their kids' lives? So I think, again, those of us who are protecting and supporting young people are there and trusted with the information of the things that they are dealing with. In terms of parents' rights to know at schools, I mean, here in Colorado, parents don't have the right. If a young person is 
questioning their gender or their sexuality. There okay. are laws in place that say that they have the right to process that with their trusted counselor so, so you do, and so forth. You do a significant amount of your work with kids even starting at age 13. Yeah. Uh, what, what would be the age of consent then in your, in your mind? Uh, in our community, the age of consent to mental health therapy is 12 years old. Ugh. What does that mean in our community? I don't know, but I don't like it. That's a very confusing state. In our community, the age of like, are there different ages of consent in communities? Is that, does, does, is that Colorado? Is that like in the, the transgender trans community? community? Like we all just yeah. decided the age of, and the, the, the next question of course here is uh, the age of consent to what exactly? Cause yeah. like, let, let, let's just get down to the brass tacks here. Like, They, they keep saying things like, you know, oh, for mental health, you know, a, tr a trusted adult. And the whole predicate of this is if you came out as transgender to your parents, they'll probably beat you and throw you in the basement and chain you to the radiator, uh, which is, right. which is not happening. And what was stated in, in an earlier part of this entire discussion is there are laws against ab child abuse. That they already exist regardless if you you know you can't abuse a child but there's this basically this meme or or whatever that every person who comes out as gay or trans or what the hell ever is just immediately hated and abused by their family um it's stuff that people see in movies because it may it makes for a really good story uh the reality of it isn't that but it's so popular that just about every homosexual you ever talk to claims that their family was just so awful to them when they came out. And it's, it's such a meme in the culture that it's the, it's the same thing as how every pretty girl uh, that you see that's either a musician or a movie star or whatever has to claim that they were bullied in high school, even though none of us believe it, they all have to claim that they were bullied. They all have to claim that they came from like some meager upbringing. Uh, it's the same thing. If you're, if you're gay, you had to have been persecuted when you first came out and it had to have been this whole identity struggle and you had to fight for it or else you basically didn't earn it. Hmm. So yeah, the point is though, is when you start meddling with definitions of what is and is not a parent's right, what is and is not considered the age of consent, it, especially when dealing with sexual issues like transgenderism, am I the only one that thinks it's a little gross? Because I, I think that yeah. this is, I think the reality is, is the baseline concern for the majority of these parents that are upset and bothered by a lot of this transgender activity is the fact that they very much see parents' rights being taken away. That seems to be a very um, hard line approach. It seems to be the one of the bases of it's one one of what's the word I'm looking for here. It's one of the like pinnacle tenets of the entire ideology is to get parents away from their kids. Yes, it's a pillar. But, but, That's the just, word I was looking for. I think you can ignore everything this lady says because the end goal of this is 
is all just a runaround to try and do things that, you know, these all wrong, evil, conservative parents don't want to happen to their kids. Every, every, every single thing is just a, it's an obfuscation to allow them to abuse the children of people they hate. I mean, if you take the way that you hear a lot of these people talk in aggregate, there is an incredible, uh, incredible amount of that kind of, there's a reason why people think that that would be the case. It, it is not entirely unreasonable or insane for people to believe that that may be the case because we hear it. Uh, if you go to channels like libs of TikTok, we will hear people, uh, on their TikTok channels talking about how much joy they get from exposing the children of conservative parents to LGBTQ stuff and hoping that they go back and upset their parents by talking about it. Like there is absolutely a vindictive behavior and an almost sociopathy of wanting to ruin a child for a person that you hate. Right. Think about how much, so all of this is aimed at, so her, her ire is aimed at parents that don't want this to happen to her, to their kids. She doesn't have anything negative to say about parents that do want this to happen to their kids, which we can assume would be liberals. It's all about parents that don't want these things to happen to their children, which is a code word for generally white conservatives. And I can imagine the amount of hatred these people, just think of every single instance you've heard of liberals, how much they hate and demonize conservative America. They hate Trump supporters. They hate conservatives. They're all awful, evil bigots. They should all be put in the gulag. That's no, there's no argument about that. These people hate us and they want to see us hurt. And imagine someone like that, what wouldn't they feel justified doing if it hurt the people they've been told to hate? How much effort would they put into making sure they could hurt as the children of conservatives, as many of them as possible? How much effort would they put into defending and lying about an effort they had that hurt the children of their political enemies? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what all of this is. And that's why she's defending it so ardently. And that's why she's manufacturing this whole, oh, it's we're protecting the children and it's protecting them. And we're it's it's all for them. And the age of consent doesn't matter because it's all about, the, oh, it's so good for the children. And it's all just an obfuscation to prevent people from taking the totally justified actions to protect their children from predation by people that are doing it simply out of spite and malice. Yeah. Well, and, and to your to your previous point that you've made, protect them from whom? Yeah. And the answer is their parents. Yep. Which is very strange that you would take such an adversarial stance uh, outright, by the way. This is not situational. This is not a case-by-case sort of situation. This is entirely. Remember what was said in that statement, which was in the state of Colorado, Parents do not have a right. That was a law that had to be passed, which means that that there was an effort put forward that in general, it means 
Not certain parents, not parents that you're afraid may be abusive, not parents who the child claims might be abusive. In general, in total, zero parents. In fact, if there's a law, the way that it was stated, that means that you can't tell parents, even if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Weird that you would want to pass that law. Not a protection that says in a specific event, you may be able to do it with these certain guidelines. It was in general, in total, we don't want parents to know what we're doing. We don't want to have to right. tell parents what we're doing. Well, and and the reason is because parents will rightfully object to what we are doing to their children. And they will want to have they will want to stop it and the it's all of these people's justification the laws like this that get passed are entirely designed to make it impossible for parents to protect their children from people who are being driven to ruin and destroy them out of malice and hatred it's just it's it to the people on the left if you're tired of you know being called groomers Stop acting like groomers. Seriously. Yeah, but, be, but being groomers is how they can corrupt and destroy the children of the people they hate. Right. So why would we stop? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, no, we, they, we they know what wanna, they're doing. Liberals know stop, what they're doing. We don't want to stop being groomers. We just want you to stop pointing out that we are groomers. Yeah. We want you to stop. We want you to stop trying to stop us because what we're doing is good for us because it hurts you. Now, there was a uh, a law that was signed by Biden, which is one of the, speaking of theater, like how we opened the show when we were talking about theater, there was this, uh, man, I don't even remember the name of the damn law now, um, but it, it's that, the marriage law. There was a whole name for it that was silly, and it was all theater. Yeah, the, but, the stuff that basically says, like, we can shut down your church if they don't want to host a gay wedding. So, yeah, that's the whole thing is it's the 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 way that the media presented this law is it's protecting LGBTQ people, uh, you know, from hatred and violence, and blah, 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 all this other Which nonsense. Which is exactly how they sold um, the uh, Defensive Marriage Act under Obama. What do you mean? I'm sorry. Well, remember the whole Defensive Marriage Act under was it Obama or Bush? anyway? I remember when they when gay marriage became quote legalized. They said it was like, oh, this is to protect the poor gays from discrimination. And then the first thing that happened was a bunch of gays weaponized it and used it to try and destroy conservative businesses like the Masterpiece Cake Shop. Yeah, or Hobby Lobby. Or Hobby Lobby. Yep. Yeah, just bait, well, I mean, bait. this is exactly this is just another ratchet of the same system. We're going to now do it, and except for trans, and then we'll get trans people to essentially destroy. Well, we will just send out our janissaries to destroy, you know, businesses or political or corporations or churches or whoever we don't like. Yeah, and it, it what's insane about it? So first of all, there was zero threat to gay marriage. Like, I, I need people to understand this. There was, what do you mean? There was zero threat to gay marriage. There was like nobody, there, there was no one stopping gays from getting married. The, the Supreme Court right. um, they, they, made, made their case. 
They said that gays can get married. They can be recognized. There was zero threat to gay marriage. And by threat, you mean it's like it wasn't going to be no one. It it was not going to suddenly become illegal to be gay and married and quote married in the country. Right. No, no. Like it was all made up. There's not even there. There's no conservatives that were making a, a realistic attempt whatsoever to do anything to stop gay marriage. There just was not a thing like this just wasn't real. It was all made up. It's all bullshit. There was zero threat to gay marriage, but for some reason, all of the sudden, uh, Democrats and the Biden administration just had to pass a law regarding like protecting gay marriage. And the first question that everyone should ask is like, why? Like, what's the predicate of this? Like, it's already, this is already covered. There's already things here. And that's the problem is nobody was, or not enough people were asking these pertinent questions to, to get to the point of like, why, why is this even a thing? Why does the Biden administration Democrats feel some weird need to pass this law? Well, the reality is, is what was the, like what actually comes from the passage of this law and Alan already hinted to it is you can now punish churches and organizations for not going along with a gay wedding. Right. If your church does not support homosexuality and does not want to hold a homosexual marriage, they can be punished by the government now. Yeah. That's what this does. And that was what I'm trying to get at here is that was the point because there wasn't any real threat against any of these things. It was, well, the threat is, is that people may not go along with it and we need them to shut up and comply. Yes. So once again, it's all theater, but Biden had words to say in regards to the passage of this legislation. And this is what he had to say. Excuse me, because they support LGBTQ children and families, we have to speak out. We must stop the hate and violence. Like we just saw in Colorado Springs, where a place of acceptance and celebration was targeted for violence and terror. We need to challenge the hundreds of callous, cynical laws introduced in the states targeting transgender children, terrifying families, and criminalizing doctors who give children the care they need. We have to protect these children so they know they are loved and we will stand up for them and say they can seek for themselves. Folks, racism, anti-Semitism, homophobia, transphobia, they're all connected. All connected, huh? So this very much plays into the whole it's it's an us versus them mentality. And you can see right. it within this speech. First of all, what is he talking about when he's all of these cynical laws, these callous and cynical laws that are being passed in the states? They're so callous and they're so cynical. Um, they're parental right laws. It's laws that say that parents should be informed. 
of what's going on with their children, what they're being taught in school, and what is and is not okay. Which, by the way, let me let me remind everybody of the statistics here. Remember, it was a giant global, uh, uh, basically a giant global catastrophe when the Catholic Church was found to be covering up sexual abuse of children. This was a massive global scandal. Similarly, it is a scandal when, besides the Catholic Church, when you would hear about any sort of child abuse of this nature from youth organizations. But do you want to know statistically what the highest rate of abused children is? I would love to know. schools. Oh, molestation in schools is insane yeah and we're talking with where it's teachers are teachers um, the ones teachers molesting children it now i mean i'm not making excuses for anybody here but obviously they have the most exposure to kids sure but the point is is that there are consistently cases and understand these are not compiled they don't, there, there's not a group, there might be a group, there's not a group within the government that I am aware of who takes all of the cases of sexual assault or molestation in schools and puts them in one single data set. They treat them right. as case by case. You cannot, the federal government does not give a damn whether or not there's an issue of child you know, sexual assault going on in schools. So sure. when you talk about cynical laws, they are there. Don't misunderstand. There's not some law you don't know about. It was the ones that were giving people parental rights and education. Like what we have here in Virginia, it is laws that were saying it's not okay to have pornography in elementary school libraries. It's laws that say that parents need to be informed if you are going to sit down with their 12-year-old, 10-year-old, 8-year-old, 5-year-old, even 16-year-old child and talk to them about sexual things. That's considered a cynical and hateful and callous law. Coming from a guy whose son has very questionable relationships with young women and a man who regularly sniffs young women and touches them inappropriately. We're, it's fun to joke about, but we are literally at a point right now where it is entirely reasonable when people say, I kind of think all these people might be pedos and they're protecting pedos. I mean, it's not rocket science. Like <laughs> they seem to really just want to diddle kids. And I don't really they, understand what the they, reason for that is. They seem to want to hide your ability to know whether or not they're diddling kids. But... <laughs> To make, to make matters even more insane is, oh, it, we're supporting these transgen like, remember, like, these heroic doctors that are saving these kids. Let's just be honest here. We're talking about genital mutilation here. Yeah. You're, you're talking about minors that are going in and having parts of their bodies cut off or surgically altered. That's what he's talking yeah. about. That's what he's oh, calling heroic. That that's that That's what he's protecting. I, and you can't disagree with that. That's exactly what they're talking about. 
They're talking about transgender reassignment surgery. We all know what that means. It's making right. an innie and outie and an outie and innie. <laughs> it, it, sure. It, you know, it, it, that is that it, we are going to look back on this in history and it will be taken the same as the lobotomy. Definitely. Absolutely. It's, it's absolutely monstrous. But this is being made a case, and as Biden is signaling here, transphobia, homophobia, anti-Semitism, and racism are all rooted in the same thing. Now, oh, no. he, he, he might try, he's caveating that by being, oh, it all comes from hate. No, 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 no. They don't care about hate. They hate you. They don't give a shit about hate. Don't, don't, don't think for a second that they care about people hating people. They hate you, and they think that that's perfectly justified. What they're saying right. is all of this is connected. In other words, here are the things like you need to support this or you're a racist, a transphobe, a homophobe, an anti-Semite, which is very strange and uh, guaranteed that that quote will now become a recruitment tool for actual white supremacist organizations who are going to turn around and say, see everybody. The, the blacks and the Jews and the gays are all in it together to ruin your country. That is all, all, honestly very fascinating to me how the how essentially these people will give the, their opposition the most amount of uh, ammunition possible. It's like if these if they were really so concerned, about you know racism or any of these other things well or anti-semitism for example you'd think you would stop claiming everything was the fault of the jews because it's like if you don't like the trans if you don't like trans doctors you're anti-semitic like so wait trans doctors are all jewish why would why would how could that be anti-semitic unless unless there was some com like connection to the Jews, which is bizarre that you would make that claim. It's almost like they want to radicalize their radicalized people like against. It's like they want to create anti-Semites simply for the for some, I don't know, unknowable aim. It's, it's very strange. The only because thing like, that what, can... what would be the what other conclusion can you draw? I mean, if, if you were someone that was of the mind that was suspicious that there was some great jewish conspiracy and then the president says hey that thing that you hate uh yeah that's all like if you hate that then you hate the jews who are behind it you're like well i guess my conspiracy theories are true would that be the what other conclusion would you draw at at best so i don't think that they're smart enough to think ahead and strategize in a way where it's we're going to claim that this is anti-semitism just so uh, the like more reactionary or or you know the the trolls on Twitter that like to make jokes about like the Jews and things like that will grab it and then we can point to it and say, see guys, uh, look at that. Uh, see, they do hate it. I don't think that they're yeah. that smart. Um, my best guess is those are just their they're just their dog whistles. It's just. Mm -hmm. When, be, the reason why they always compound it, the reason why it's always homophobia, transphobia, anti-Semitism, racism, rah, 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 is that is just, it's the dog whistle of us versus them. If you're one of them and don't agree with us, 
you're this list of things that is bad. Right. And that's it. And the reason why it's confusing to you or the reason why you're sitting here questioning it is pretty simple because you're going, I don't see any proof of this. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Whereas when we say things like, you know, the left seems to be full of groomers, we have uh, their own words to be able to point to and go, this sounds like groomers. And I, I used this example, and I'm not saying that anyone stole it from me, but I used this example like a couple of years ago when this stuff really started heating up and said, if you ever heard an adult talking to your child at a public park in this way, you would be rightfully horrified and likely assault that person because they're being creepy and weird, but because they have a bachelor's degree in education, suddenly it's okay. Well, that's picked up a lot of steam. That has now become a meme where people will just take these words and say, would you be okay with a random stranger talking to your child like this? Right. And at the end of the day, it's just, it's that simple. It's that simple, guys. This isn't, if it's not okay at a public park or randomly at the mall, why the hell is it okay in a classroom? Do teachers have some sort of special like power that makes them not creepy, weird, gross, and and diddly and strange? No, absolutely. In fact, weirdly, it almost feels like those people are attracted to the teaching profession. That is also very strange. The, the worst part is, for those of you who have been, you know, fans of the show for a while, know um, that I have. Well, not not only was I in Boy Scouts as a kid, um, but I was involved with scouting as an adult. And part of that requires you to go through training, where you have to go through what they call youth protection training, where you have to be able to identify the potential of an adult possibly molesting a child and Mm -hmm. the initial part of that training is called it is literally called grooming and what grooming is is where an adult tries to build up a relationship with a child through minor touching comforting giving of gifts things like that building a trust um but at the same time atomizing that child from the rest of their peers and making yourself basically the only trusted companion that this person can have, then you violate that trust through molestation, but you've atomized your victim from their normal source of support to where they're through shame and what have you are unable to go to their parents or you tell them that bad things will happen if they go to their parents and report your bad behavior. This is fundamentally what has been identified by groups that fight for children who have been sexually assaulted, identify as steps towards grooming for the sake of sexual exploitation. Mm -hmm. Does it sound familiar? It does. And so someone needs to explain to me is the training that all of these people have to go through incorrect or are these people groomers? <laughs> I, I think the, the, the answer is clear. I think they definitely, I think they definitely get off on 
corrupting children. It seems clear. It seems undeniable. I mean, I mean the only question is, is why? Well, and how, and, and how are they getting away with it? How are they being supported in this? That's, it's all very, that's the part that I think is extremely strange is that this is in a way being allowed. Family is, aside from going down the road of, you know, potential degeneracy and, and, you know, some giant conspiracy of, you know, a pedophile, uh, like subculture that seems to pervade the government. One of the simplest ways to look at it is specifically just the idea that family is a natural bulwark against authoritarianism. The idea of good and solid families that develop a community is antithetical to being able to take away people's rights and their individual freedoms. Yeah, very much so. so. This was something that, I mean was covered in in 1984 by George Orwell. You had the child spies. Children were taught in school specifically to constantly um it's it's funny because that that was that's the whole deal is the in the characters the neighbor of Winston the main character his kids are like little assholes. And regular like at the end like nearing the sorry spoiler alert but nearing the end of the book his neighbor ends up in the gulag with him because his daughter reported what he was talking about in his sleep. Yeah. There's a reason why Orwell painted that picture. And it's because Orwell, having been in communism, knew that that was one of the main sources was the weaponization of children against their own parents. Certainly. And why? Because kids are easily manipulated. Yeah. They have neither the independence, the self-reliance, or the capability of being able to think for and support themselves, and therefore they're very easily easily manipulated. It's that simple, which, by the way, is exactly why the government wants you to not have any individual rights, because like that of a child, you will not have the self-reliance or independence, and therefore you will be easily manipulated. Well, and additionally, this is harmful to kids. And I think that that's the other, another big component is that they know it's harmful to kids and they are gleeful about that fact. I think that can't be, that can't be understated is that this hurts kids. They know it hurts kids and they want it to hurt kids. Do they want it to hurt the kids or do they want it to hurt the parents? Well, they want, yeah, they want it to hurt the parents and they see them as a proxy of one another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like that was an honest question. I wasn't trying to be glib there. I just really wondered. No, <laughs> they they know that it is harmful, and they they it's like the harm is the point, and that is yeah. a honestly somewhat rather terrifying. I don't know reality to face with a lot of this is that it is the harm that it does to children. The fact that it it ruins them, it destroys their ability to have to be a normal human being. Like it it st- I mean even beyond the actual surgical ramifications the fact that you get that if if you indulge in this kind of sexual degeneracy i feel that it almost forever taints you because how can you ever look at yourself even if you realize what you did was wrong if you realize this is all false how can you ever look at yourself in the mirror again so i think that it's those things that 
that's the point of a lot of this is that it's intentionally harmful. And that's what makes it, I think, all the more incredibly evil. Now, before we dive into the FBI basically turning into the KGB and all of that, there were a couple of other statements um, that have been made. The first one I'm going to cover is just inflation. Uh, okay. Biden was asked about inflation. Like, are, are you going to handle it? Now, remember, we, we covered the Federal Reserve lied about their numbers. It was 10,000 instead of 1.1 million jobs numbers. The United States government still has the stance that we're not in a recession, even though we are in a recession. And they're going to continue to lie about it, likely, until we stop being in a recession. And then they'll congratulate themselves for getting us out of the recession that they claimed we were not in. Yeah. Isn't, like, that, isn't that exciting? What an you're going to feel... You're going to feel like you're taking crazy pills. They're going to do that. Yeah. Now, Biden was asked when he thinks that prices for things, inflation, which let me remind you all, inflation was transitory, but then it was good. Inflation wasn't happening. Then it was transitory. Then it was only uh, affecting the rich. Then it was a good thing, and it was always happening. So those are the lies that we've heard about inflation. Um, now, the president was asked, like, when, when, when are we going to expect prices to not be eight to eleven percent higher? And this was the answer he gave. Thank you very much. Can you say when you expect prices to get back to normal, Mr. President? I hope by the end of next year we're much closer. But I can't make that prediction. I just that no I'm convinced they're not going to go up. So he hopes by the end of next year that the inflation will go away. Um, but he knows that he knows that prices won't go up. Hmm. Well, how Great. do you know that? I don't know. That's a very like, good question. I would like to know. I would like to know how he's this confident. Yeah, you know that they're not going to get any higher, but you're saying that next year they'll get better. Strangely, heading into an election year that somehow the economy will turn around, much like we just saw the Federal Reserve lie their ass off by the uh, about the numbers right before a midterm election. Strange how that works. So yeah. is, is that what is that why he knows? Like, hey, guys, we've reached peak. We're just going to keep the suffering at this level. And then heading into the re-election is when we're going to drop the numbers down? I don't know, but that... And what can they even do at this point? It's like, would the, there are things that you would need to do to moderate inflation. And I don't think the Biden administration has the wherewithal to do those things that are necessary. Well, it's interesting because one of the largest contributors to inflation is government spending. That's true. Well, there's a giant omnibus spending package that's probably going to get shoved through right before, you know, the end of this Congress. Uh, and I'm sure Republicans are going to do very little to stop it. Um, and so it's going to get passed and it's going to have an insane amount of trillions of dollars worth of spending in it. And some of that spending uh, looks like the Democrats have chosen a new recipient for their money laundering schemes. They have to move everything out of Ukraine because 
Too many people are asking questions and demanding oversight of that money, so they're going to move their money laundering to a new location. Oh, well, that's exciting. And here's everybody, everybody should be excited about that. Here's John Kirby explaining this to the American people. Working closely with Congress, the U.S. will commit $55 billion to Africa over the course of the next three years across wow. a wide range of sectors to tackle the core challenges of our time. These commitments build on the United States' longstanding leadership and partnership in develop, development, economic growth, health, and security in Africa over the past three decades. Oh, That's good. part of a $300 billion dollar oh, $350 package. $350 billion dollar package. Oh, $350 billion. Which, yeah, $350 billion dollar package to Africa, um, which is... Uh, I believe it's, so. It's it's fifty billion, maybe in direct just funds, and then this three hundred fifty billion was essentially a loan to Africa or African nations. Um, yeah, three hundred fifty okay. billion in honestly probably zero down loans to help encourage development on the African continent and the, digiti digi the digitization of the African economy. Which I don't remember voting for that. Do you? Of course not. I'm sure that there's national security ramifications and blah, blah, blah. Why do you hate black people? Basically, yeah, probably. So, so we've just decided that our new billions dollar dump slush fund is going to be in Africa because I guess maybe the billions dollar dump slush fund in Ukraine wasn't working. And by digitization of the African economy, is that like you're going to link them up with FTX as well to help launder the money like you did in Ukraine? Or is it something different? That's a very good question, and I don't think I know, and I, I don't think anyone actually knows what the reality of that's going to be, other than it's going to be a bunch of taxpayer dollars that are just going to evaporate, again, evaporate out to the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and I'm sure that this isn't going to fund guerrilla armies at all. Well, no, certainly not. Well, and they certainly wouldn't be things that would be basically a giant slush fund that funneled money into the U.S. political elite. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, everything else. certainly this money isn't going to go to Africa. And then suddenly, weirdly, a bunch of African nations are going to suddenly donate money to Democrat candidates and liberal groups and non-governmental organizations who then will donate to Democrats and liberal groups. So certainly it's not nothing like that. That that wouldn't. Right. That wouldn't but I guess what is strange to me that I think. I would imagine a number of people might be also pointing out is why is this suddenly so necessary? Did I mean, and again, I think my, my thought of, I didn't vote for this. I don't really want my tax dollars going to this. How do we have this much money to spend is a kind of a major thing that I keep thinking is, well, where is all this coming from? We're spending how many billions in Ukraine? How many billions on this? A hundred more billion over here? A hundred a couple billion over here? I feel that this is all somehow very, very... There's no way you can convince me that this is anything but extremely irresponsible. We're writing checks that we, I guess, can't cash. Like, 
is there i remember when people were upset about the national debt but i guess we're just giving up on that it's like ah screw it like just how high can we get the national debt 10 trillion no problem let's pump that up is that going to be a bad thing i mean i feel like that's there's no way that doesn't turn around and bite america in the ass what's that must be a crazy conspiracy theorist well i mean if you think about it if the debt goes high enough then the economy will completely collapse. And when the economy completely collapses, it will be a the excuse that people will use for getting the government more involved in the economy. Because my God, how could such of a such a horrible thing have happened? Obviously, we need the government to come in and just like control this this rampant insane economy for us. Uh, because when left to its own devices, it just catches on fire. I mean Let's not bring up the fact that the government's been meddling in the economy and causing this collapse. No, 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 no. Uh, it's certainly, you must protect right. us. It, it was because there wasn't enough government involved in the economy, which is what caused it to collapse. And it's perfect because much like what we saw with FDR when he basically created the entire roadmap to America becoming a socialist country, they'll do the same thing. They, they need another Great Depression because FDR didn't go far enough. Yeah. I mean, it, it certainly reinforces the idea that a lot of things are this sort of problem reaction scenario that allows them to essentially keep the population confused and upset so that for the purposes, I guess, of control, of well, no one's going to ask questions or oppose us because they're going to be too distracted with other things. And remember that when the COVID lockdowns happened, when the government completely and insanely violated the individual rights of every single American in this country with their lockdowns, it was the greatest wealth transfer in history, and the winners were the liberal elite. Right. And that's something that is, I feel that, that should get a little more attention. But maybe people are just concerned that if we give voice to those concerns, that's too terrifying to really deal with. Yeah, well, I mean, Elon Musk, also known as Space Hitler, uh, is richer than all of those liberals, and they're not. he's apparently not their guy, so maybe they need to crash the economy in hopes that Elon Musk goes away and they can put another like Jeff Bezos or Bill Gates up at the top. Potentially. Yes. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. All, all I, it's I hard do. to tell. I think that they definitely would rather have, well, it's shown in the, their view on censorship. It's like they can't let people speak freely because then it would expose the, the, problems that they have it would expose the the absolute lies that are that they foist upon people and that that doesn't speak anything good it doesn't make me more confident that all the that the powers that be know what they're doing if they're this concerned about reinforcing censorship well no that's certainly it too and 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 that is that is a really good segue into kind of the the bigger part of what we're uh what we're going into here which is um so first of all, uh, let me cover the story that the media is using so they don't have to talk about what was released in the Twitter files and the corruption between the FBI and social media. 
Um, Elon Musk. I'll give you guys the entire because you you may not know. A lot of people actually don't know the entire story. Elon Musk's car was being stalked by somebody in black block attire, which for those who don't know what that is, it means he was dressed up like your standard Antifa thug. Uh, followed a car, thinking that likely thinking that Elon Musk was in it, but in fact his baby was in it, and blocked the vehicle and jumped up on the hood. That's alarming. Um, and after that, Elon Musk put out that he was going to revamp the doxing policy at Twitter. Obviously, this is predicated uh, on, on threats against his safety and the safety of his family. Need I remind you, somebody jumped up on the hood of a car that was carrying his child, likely attempting to attack it. Um. So because of this, he said, like, look, if you're if you are releasing the location information of someone on Twitter, that is considered doxing. The real-time location of someone, that is considered doxing. I am shutting it down on this platform. To which all of the liberals screamed at the sky because one of the greatest weapons that they have against their conservative opponents is doxing their real-time location so their thugs can go beat the shit out of them, hopefully kill them, and then claim that they were a racist so it was okay, as we saw during, like, the BLM riots. Or really, any time a conservative journalist is covering something with Antifa. So, this was a thing. Liberals got upset because it's a weapon that they use. That's how they send their paramilitary groups over to hurt people. That's how they send a bunch of deranged activists to try to assassinate Supreme court justices. Right. It's, it's one of the, it's their essentially unspoken mechanism for, for control. Yeah. It's how they commit violence against their opponents. So of course the left was infuriated over the idea that Elon Musk was going to stop doxing because, well, I mean, nobody wants to lose a good weapon. Well, um, because of this, there was a popular Twitter, not really that popular, but there was a popular Twitter handle that that followed Elon Musk's private jet around. Now, maybe there's an argument for it's dumb to do this and block it, but Elon Musk suspended the account. And he suspended the account because it was revealing his location information and someone was using that location information to try to assault him. And I, I need to remind you guys, if somebody's trying to assault Elon Musk, it's probably because CNN and MSNBC told them that he was space Hitler. Right. This keeps happening and nobody, nobody wants to connect those dots that the media is regularly radicalizing people to commit violence because they use insane hyperbole and say that basically everybody they disagree with is trying to murder people and destroy the Republic. Anyway, Seriously. so he got rid of, he, he banned that account and suddenly the left found their love of the first amendment and the constitution of the United States. Well, and, and the we're free just market. Don't forget. Oh, of course they were. Well, they didn't, I guess oh, they did. Oh, wait, they forgot yeah. that this time. Okay. So they were apoplectic. I thought Elon Musk supported free speech. Now, this is a thing that some of my conservative friends love you as I do. 
You guys need to figure it out. They don't care about your principles. The First Amendment only applies to them. Only them. You're not allowed to speak freely. They will never support you speaking freely. It doesn't matter how much you go and defend them. They will throw you in the gulag. You're not going to change their hearts and minds by being principled and saying, I think that these people deserve as much of a voice as I do. That's great. It's so adorable. Good for you. You will still be thrown in the gulag and I'm going to punch you in the face when you're like, how did this happen? Anyway, a bunch of journalists decided now's the time for us to screw with Elon Musk. This was all planned, by the way. For those of you who don't realize it, this was all planned. He decided that he was going to start banning accounts that doxed. So all of these journalists decided that they were going to start doxing people and especially start doxing Elon Musk. They did this whole, you're going to get rid of Elon Jet. Well, we're going to be the ones that are going to post it. We're going to do it. Ha, 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 ban me. And then they all claimed that they were being targeted by Elon Musk because they were questioning him. No, they were doing the thing that they knew was going to get them banned so they could get banned so they could all claim that they were victims and being targeted by a billionaire. It's all so dumb, so obvious, and everyone who acts otherwise is lying and pretending. Most certainly. But one of these are the, the same regime apparatchiks that have been doing this the entire time. They lied throughout the whole Trump administration. They're, they're professional liars for a living. And that's just what the journalism profession is now. One of the top ones of this would be Taylor Lorenz, who was out there tweeting, I'm being targeted by Elon Musk. My account probably won't last soon, teehee. And then did exactly what she wanted to to get banned and then got banned and went, oh my God, I'm such a victim. Wah. And then talked about how she was a huge supporter of free speech and how doxing is terrible and cancel culture has gone too far. By, by the way, they know it pisses you off, guys. They know it. Like, like that's part of the whole plan. They are saying these things. They, they know they're being hypocrites. They don't care that they're being hypocrites. They're being hypocrites to piss you off. They are letting you know that there is a different set of rules for them, and they love that it makes you angry. Right. Yeah. The people are people on the left are quite vile. Yeah. Like they figure it out, dumb dumb. And there are some journalists, some people on the right that are still stupid and think they they think that they're gonna somehow just it's gonna be like a movie where suddenly all of these shit libs are gonna wake up and just change away from their dark ways because of how nice you were. It's just not going to happen, guys. Right. This whole idea of turning around and saying, I think that these journalists should still be allowed on Twitter because of the First Amendment. Look, like, full disclosure here, I think these journalists should be allowed on Twitter mostly so I can take their stupid takes and it makes my job a lot easier when I prepare for this program. Certainly. But it's not because I care about their rights. Because they don't care well, about mine. Of course not. But my question is, anybody on the right actually 
concerned about these journalists beyond the people that have already demonstrated that they are snakes in the grass that are counter to the actual objectives of the right-wing movement, the, the David Frenches of the world, the Bill Crystals, the whole Never Trump pantheon. It's like, those are always the people that seem upset about things. And the vast majority of people that I would term as normal right-wingers really can't spare that much of an effort to defend people that they, that they also recognize absolutely hate them. All I'm so I feel say... like any right wing, the the right wing commentary that is counter to what we're saying, that defends these journalists, that complains about Trump, that promotes this DeSantis Trump divide, I feel like those people are not not the majority of right wing Americans. They're not the majority of Demo Republican voting Americans. They're this sort of fifth column in the Republican movement that I feel is increasingly marginalized by the day. No, I, I, I mean, I agree. Um, I guess what I will say is this for all of the people that are rushing to the defense of Taylor Lorenz and all of these other folks, you know, Keith Olbermann and whomever. Yeah. Where were you when uh, Alex Jones got banned? Oh, they I were mean, cheering it on. They were cheering speech on because speech, uh, right? like the people that are rushing to the defense of these journalists are all professional liars for a living. And I'm, which is why it's, it's shocking. I'm shocking to anyone even still cares what some of these people have to say. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just merely saying that it, you can't have it both ways. You can't suddenly not. be horrified. That the that Taylor Lorenz and Keith Olbermann had their accounts banned, but then have been perfectly fine if uh, uh, perfectly fine and defended and defended Twitter's right to ban Alex Jones. You defended. See, Twitter's I think right the vast majority Jones. of normal right wing people are totally in agreement with you on that. I think the vast majority of right wing people probably would maybe give some. Say, well, I don't really like Alex Jones, but then say, well, do you care that all these left-wing journalists got banned? I think the vast majority of right-wing people go, good, I don't I don't really like them either. Yeah. I Which mean, I think is good. I think the thing about uh, the recent Twitter news that, to me, is vastly more important is the, is the, the releases and the absolute proof we have gotten that FB, that Twitter was being run like a department of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and the FBI was actively curating the content on the site to ensure that ideas that the FBI didn't want discussed would not be discussed between regular Americans. Well, and, and that is a much that is a huge story that I am surprised is not getting more coverage. Well, it's not getting more coverage because the media is obsessing over the fact that, oh, my God, our poor journalists got blocked, which is exactly why they did it, by the way. Right. Because it covers for all of these leaks that are truly damning to the American system rather than just the petulant whining of a bunch of journalists. So before we dive into that story, there's a point that you just made that I really, really, really want yeah. to want to get out there before we even get into the story, which is you said that the FBI, like that Twitter was working as a department of the FBI. And it wasn't just Twitter. It's all of social media. This was not a, um, I do not believe for a single second 
that this is an isolated situation with one company. This was every social media company, that being Meta, Facebook, Google with YouTube, uh, maybe even the American aspects of TikTok. Well, actually, I know for a fact the American aspects of TikTok. Um, the Federal Bureau of Investigation was in the business of identifying and curating specific content um, on these social media platforms. But the point that you made was to make sure that cert- that Americans couldn't talk about certain narratives. And the reason why we know that for a fact, that it is a factual statement, is the claim that you are going to hear in defense of this is that it was for national security purposes and foreign influence. But how do we know that that's a lie, Alan? Hmm. How indeed? We know it's a lie because all of these accounts that were being identified by the FBI to be silenced and censored and shadow banned and all of that, if they truly were a threat to national security, we would have seen an arrest. We would have seen some sort of indictment. We would have, I mean, let's just be honest. If there was a an account that had a bunch of influence and was spreading Russian propaganda and disinformation that was affecting the election of the United States of America, there is more than enough support that the FBI would have gotten to go and arrest that person, to reveal the propaganda, to reveal the misinformation and disinformation, to show its connection to the Russian nation state. Would that not have happened? Would there be any reason to not reveal that to the American people, to a heroic welcome at the headquarters of the J. Edgar Hoover building? Oh, most definitely. Of course they would have, but they haven't. There's not a single incident of that. No one's been arrested. In fact, can anyone point out what has been proven as Russian disinformation? I can only think of a couple of times that the United States government has come out and pointed at something and said, this is absolutely Russian disinformation, misinformation, and is a, a coordinated propaganda effort by the Russian nation state. One was the leak of the DNC emails in 2016 that were true emails that showed the corruption of the Democrat party. And suspiciously, number two was the Hunter Biden laptop, which turned out to also be real and was not part of a Russian plot. So the times that the United States government has come out and said, this is Russian propaganda, absolute, it's turned out to not be Russian propaganda at all. And the times that they've come out and said, this is true and everyone needs to believe it, being the Trump-Russiagate scandal, we've come to find out that it was Russian propaganda. Yeah, isn't that exciting? So we know for a fact that the mission of the FBI in their engagement with social media was to tailor what kind of information Americans were allowed to talk about and be exposed to. Because if it were a real threat, someone would have been arrested. Something would have happened and nothing happened, which means all they wanted to do was manipulate the discourse like the KGB. 
there were 80 federal agents assigned at the FBI whose sole job it was to go through social media and identify posts they didn't like and then send it to the executives at Twitter and Facebook and all these other social media companies and say, take this down. Right. So for all of those jackasses three weeks ago who were screaming at the sky and saying that Twitter's decisions and trust and safety are the decisions of a private company, they can't violate the First Amendment, only the government can violate the First Amendment, this isn't this isn't that, I too would stand for the Constitution if it were being violated, but it isn't. Well, where are you? Stand up. The Federal Bureau of Investigation was identifying individual Americans and telling a social media company to suppress their words. Where are you, David French? Where are you, Bill Crystal? Where are you, Lincoln Project, the true conservatives? Where the fuck are you? Well, and we know where they are because they were on the same side as these people. Yeah, they're cashing their checks. Right. Sorry, I'm... Go ahead and talk, Which, Alan. I'm going to take a second to cool down. Certainly. I think the thing to me that this whole episode really drives home is that there is a is this idea of the deep state. A lot of people, I mean, it is not a popular thing to discuss, but it is apparently a very real thing to discuss. That there does exist within the United States some effort on the part of what seem to be intelligence agencies and political organizations to prevent the American people from essentially ruling themselves as a sovereign people, as a sovereign nation. And that is becoming more undeniable by the day. And it's hard to know exactly what to do with all that information. But it does be seem to become undeniable that there is a concerted effort by quote, the powers that be, to put their thumb on the scale of, of discourse between Americans, because if people are allowed to speak freely, they will come to conclusions that that group doesn't like. We saw this in absolute writ large with the leaks of the Hillary Clinton emails in 2016, how true and real corruption within the political sphere was being revealed and the response was that is misinformation. That is Russian dis misinformation. That is Russian disinformation. That is a Russian plot. It was never discussed as this is untrue, but that is a Russian plot. That is a Russian operation. Don't rec don't recognize it for what it is. Certainly, do not believe that it that and then act on it in a way that would absolutely be understandable and appropriate. I think that the Clintons never intended to get caught, which I think a lot of these people never intend to get caught with this stuff. And when it does, it's very convenient that they have this tag, oh, that's disinformation, misinformation. The real interesting thing to me is it's never discussed that it's what that information is and why it's untrue. I hear a lot, oh, we'll see these Russian bots or these this Russian disinformation campaign. All these people on the right believe Russian disinformation. They're being manipulated by Russian disinformation. But they never tell me what the specifics of that disinformation is. What are people being told that is untrue 
that they believe to be true that is causing that would cause a problem because that is never defined it makes me very suspicious or it should make all of you suspicious it should make everyone suspicious that it is simply being used to divert people's attention from things that they would be inconvenient if they saw. Like, I, I hear it about a lot of things. Oh, you see all these evil white nationalists are being fed disinformation by the Russians. And he's like, okay, well, what is the dis disinformation? Well, we don't even need to get into that. It's like, okay, so are they? I would say because they called things like the Hillary Clinton email scandal disinformation, it clearly means that true, honest information that should affect the discourse and should change people's minds is just intentionally being hidden. And that is a huge deal. It's a big deal to me, and I feel it should, this should be an enormous scandal everywhere. It should be followed by elected representatives demanding accountability from the FBI, demanding people be fired, demanding new, putting new rules in place to prevent this sort of thing. It should be considered absolutely unacceptable. It is also rather humorous that the people that are screeching so loudly about, quote, democracy are the same ones that put so much effort into denying the actual, a denying the voting population to be ad adequately informed. Those things seem to go hand in hand. The more you seem to, quote, publicly care about democracy, the less you want people to know what actually happens within their democracy. The more you want people's voices silenced. It's a very, very curious set of affairs. And I'm glad that these leaks are coming to coming to the fore. I really hope, I was, I've been very worried about Musk taking over Twitter, but it seems like because he's being attacked so heavily for all of these things, my hope is that it wakes him up to go, man, I need to use all of my power and influence to make sure these people lose and lose forever. That would be a really great state of affairs if it could happen. And I hope that it does. I, I hope that there, that Musk takes over Twitter and allows people to simply speak freely because that might be all it takes to cause some relatively seismic shifts. There's this term called the Overton window, which is the window of acceptable discourse in society. And it has radically been changing over the last few years, which is in and of itself pretty, I think, pretty astounding. The things that we are able to talk about today as pretty much verifiably true, like these ideas about, oh, there's a deep state or or there's all this political corruption. Those things used to be fringe ideas and they're rapidly becoming not. And that's, I think, a very positive move for a lot of this, is it is ruining the illusion that a lot of the American politics has been based on. And that's going to be nothing but a positive for us going into the future. It, so it hopefully... Is the Republicans, Republicans in Congress can see this as a threat to themselves and finally take action. But I guess we just might have to wait for that and see how it goes. Well, I don't know. There, there might be a very, very palpable change um, in the Republican Party, uh, which I'll, I'll just use that as sort of this segue here. Um, I mean, one would hope. One would hope. Because there's... So we, we talked about it a little bit. A friend of the program, Harmeet Dillon, is uh, running to take over the chair 
of the Republican Party uh, from Rana Romney McDaniel. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because we saw a lot of attacks. I, I talked about it weeks ago on the program because there were a bunch of attacks that happened um, okay. against Harmeet Dillon. And I was just really confused by it. But then she announced that she was going to be running against Ronda Romney McDaniel. And it all suddenly made sense. Like, oh, shit, somebody knew that she was getting ready to make a bid. And they uh, preemptively were trying to turn everybody against her. Fascinating. Sure. Well, there was an investigation by the wonderful Jennifer Van Lahr at Red State. Um, and uh, she did an analysis and found some very interesting stuff. And I, I do want to cover this. We can get back to the FBI stuff if we want. But I want to make sure that this is part of the show here. Since you brought up Republicans doing something, this, I think, is actually a good way to get them to do something because they're going to owe us a lot if they want to stay relevant. Um, Yes, agreed. The title of the piece is Analysis of RNC Spending Since 2017 Shows Millions Were Spent on Private Jets, Limousines, Luxury Retreats, and Broadway Shows. Uh, I'll read it as quick as I can. Bear with me. Back in 2010, RNC Chair Michael Steele was heavily criticized and eventually lost his position because donors were angry about what they believed was luxurious spending on private jets, floral arrangements, chauffeur services, and member meetings in expensive tropical locales. Donors were used, used to frugality from the RNC under the George W. Bush administration when Karl Rove would bitch if there were flowers on the tables and staff holiday parties were catered by Chick fil A. Despite Joe Biden's economy and three straight cycles of election losses, the RNC's big spending days are back with a vengeance. Perhaps because of those losses, both RNC donors and committee members were intensely interested in the committee's finances, particularly the spending. Late last week, Red State was provided a report dated October 7, 2022, that examined RNC's 2021-22 to spending. It calculated more than $500,000 in private jet expenses, $64,000 at clothing retailers, and $321,000 in floral arrangements. To determine how that compared to the rest of Ronna McDaniel's tenure, Red State examined RNC expenditures from 2017 through 2022. In addition to a review of Federal Elections Commission data, Red State spoke with current vendors, state party officials familiar with the workings, former staffers, some from McDaniel's tenure, and some who worked for prior chairs, and several current RNC members to verify numbers and dates. Most were only willing to discuss the matters on background, and all all were promised anonymity to avoid potential retaliation. It is difficult to accurately categorize all of the expenditures because of a significant number of transactions seem to be misclassified. For example, nearly $5,000 spent in 2022 at Lululemon, a luxury athletic apparel brand, was classified as office expense, as were two expenditures totaling $9,300 at Madison Square Garden in 2017. That's fun. Our review found that the amounts spent during 2021 and 22 election cycle seem to have been par for the course and possibly even lower than previous portions of McDaniel's tenure. According to FEC filings since 2017, the RNC has spent 
3.1 million on private jet services, 1.3 million on limousine chauffeur services, 17.1 million to donor mementos, 750,000 on floral arrangements, 80,000 in alcohol related expenditures. Nearly $400,000 has been spent on event tickets and other entertainment activities, including $30,000 for a private box at a Las Vegas Raiders game, $13,000 for Broadway shows, $9,400 at Madison Square Garden, and $43,000 at top golf locations in Texas, Nevada, Virginia, and Maryland. According to a senior staffer, the private box Raiders game was part of a retreat for senior staff members. RNC funds were also used to fly senior staffers and plus ones first class to Las Vegas and for their hotel rooms, food, and alcohol. Wow. Look. Oh, quick. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Was this in the same time frame that a bunch of pro MAGA candidates were running for, say, the midterms that desperately needed more money to possibly win? Certainly. Oh. Well, that's um, that's unfortunate that they would <laughs> spend money like that at a time when, you know, you needed it to win an election. Well, it certainly explains the deflection of all of these Republicans screaming about where Trump was spending his money. It sounds like it was just a lot of guilty feelings. That's true, because I very much remember how concerned so many people were that Trump was taking all these donations and then not spending it appropriately. It sounds like they were more concerned that Trump was taking donations that they couldn't spend inappropriately. Now, I'm going to be a little realistic here. Not, I mean, I'm not defending any of this. Mm -hmm. Money does get spent. And there are times that like, if you look through any corporation's budget, it could look completely insane. You cater a meeting. It costs a lot of money. You have uh, an event. It costs a lot of money. You can always nitpick anything as being waste. It's like going to your buddy's house. Who's complaining about like their finances. You could sit there and nitpick it and say, do you need that bag of chips? You know, of course. Certainly. Yeah. And and some of this is understandable. Like if you're the RNC, like, Throwing events, throwing parties for people, doing these sort of things is absolutely within your purview if it's in the service of getting people elected and pursuing your political goals. Yes, and, no, and that's exactly. But that's it. not the that's not the assurance I'm being given. Is that all of this was being done to make sure that we won the most seats in the house, that we got to push the agenda our voters wanted? I don't have the assurances that that's happening. I actually have, this is going to sound really strange, but it's just for anybody out there that might manage personnel. I'm going to give you guys some very, very good advice that the RNC could also take and is very necessary. Mm -hmm. One of the events that you heard about was that they had a private jet that flew out and paid for the hotels and the dinners and drinks and a private box at a Raiders game Mm -hmm. um, when they flew everybody out to Las Vegas. And they did this for senior staffers. This is my recommendation. I come from the army and the army, which we can make fun of. And we have talked about its failures, especially now has one very, very good 
management technique, which is at no point do you spend money on your senior staff unless you spend it on your low lower entry soldiers first. Mm-hmm. Just, or at the least, just, or, or at the least, just make it assume that everyone's going to be able to see your finances and then just play it in a way that people wouldn't be able to make that big of a deal of it. If they had said like, oh, we did it, we did an event and yeah, we had an open bar for senior people. Okay, maybe that's fine. Getting box tickets to a game, that seems a little bit, that seems far more egregious than if it was just, oh, we rented out the banquet hall at some hotel and had like a big meeting and yeah we and yeah you know dinner and dinner and drinks were on the rnc sure well it it, a couple a couple of points to be made here well number one the rnc operates entirely off of donations from regular americans so just so you all know your 50 dollar donation that you might have strained to make helped pay for Ronna Romney McDaniel to get drunk at a hotel in Las Vegas and go watch a Raiders game. The other notable right. point here, look at the locales, Madison square garden, Las Vegas, all of the, uh, 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 yeah, all of these different locations that they were going mm-hmm. to, where's the Republican part here? They're yeah, that's basically, that's also unseemly of blue states. Right. You're spending all this money in places that I guess I feel like we are due a very serious X again, much like when we talked about the federal reserve, I feel we're due a very good explanation from these organizations on how and why this happened. If the RNC went to Oklahoma and hosted an event and spent a million dollars on it, and then people got mad, but they could turn around and there's like the little shop owner who talks about how the RNC hosting their event in the middle of bumblefuck wherever is what brought his company into the red and helped him keep his helped him keep his doors open. And now all of his employees are, you know, grateful to the Republican Party and loved hosting them. And they're all, you know, just red-blooded patriotic Americans who will support the RNC for the, you know, decades to come. Something dumb, like, like, it sounds really stupid, but like, do that. Why are you not propping up the communities who vote for you? Why are you going and spending all of your money in New York? Why are you impressing New York consultants? At the end of the day, it's very solid. Ronna Romney McDaniel does not care about the 73 million people who voted for Donald Trump. She cares about the 168 people who vote for her. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's very true. And, and you have lost yeah. every damn election since you sat in that chair. That's the other part. I I would be willing to write to give them a lot more leeway if they were effective at what they did. It's the same thing I way I feel about a lot of people in government. Hey, Nancy Pelosi's making millions of dollars off insider trading. Okay, that's annoying. But if the government was being run really effectively and efficiently and for my interests and America was, you know, doing a great job, I probably would not be able, I wouldn't be able to muster as much care for it. 
It's like if it was, well, you know, the United States uh, completely won in Afghanistan and is going to them and is building a moon base. And, you know, we don't have a bunch of division at home and where the national debt has been dealt with. And we're at a, OK, you know what? I honestly, if people are making money on the side with government, probably don't. It's uh, fine. Fine. Whatever. Whatever. Great. But in fact, it's like, oh, we're raising your taxes and there's rampant inflation. We're mismanaging literally everything and all the bridges are collapsing and the military is falling to pieces. And we're at this like kind of the the entire American global American empire seems ebbing and crumbling at the same time. Then I get a lot more annoyed that people are also spending my money wrong. So if the RNC was getting victory after victory and pushing an agenda that I wanted, and then they were also spending money kind of irresponsibly, I would go, eh. Uh, eh, fine like i uh, don't like it but i don't care that much but the fact See? that they're dancing around and playing and having all this great fun while there's so much work to do and there's so many real serious threats facing their constituents that they're not dealing with it makes them seem extremely unserious at a time when they need to be at a time when they should be more serious than ever the threats that their constituents are facing from a left-wing agenda that is trying to achieve a near limitless amount of power and turn the very mechanisms and power of government against their own constituents at a time like that they are playing around and going to fun box games at madison square garden that the irresponsibility of the rnc to actually face the realities that america is facing makes this all the more unseemly and outrageous i think at the end of the day the case has been made that regardless of your feelings on it there needs to be a change at the republican party and you should contact your delegates for the Republican National Committee and tell them that you want to see Ronna Romney McDaniel gone. I'm not a member of the Republican Party. I'm not registered with them at all. But at the end of the day, they get my vote, which by the way, should be worth more to them than my money. But what I will say is we have control of the House. We don't have control of the Senate. We are heading into 2024 with Joe Biden, who is such an epic failure that it's insane to even conceive the Republicans losing this election in 2024. You need yeah. to get your shit together, GOP. And I think a big part of that is getting the Romney out of the GOP. Yeah. I've always taken issue with the fact that Mitt Romney's niece is the chair of the GOP. And I don't know about you guys, but it doesn't seem like the party elite was very supportive of who we wanted to be the president of the United States. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, there needs to be a change. And there is somebody who I think is quite good. Somebody who's been responsive to a little tiny podcast like us which yes, it's a personal thing. So I get that it's a little stilted, but we're nobody. Sure. And she I mean, took the time in, to talk in to comparison, us. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, we're not nobodies. We're 
fantastic and way ahead of everyone else. I get it. Thank you. But what was, you didn't need to take any time, but instead she sat there and counseled to help a listener who was having trouble at work because they were being targeted for their conservative views. Mm -hmm. You didn't have to do that. And if that's the baseline function of Harmy Dillon, then I think the RNC will do far better. And it does start there. That's where the money goes. And then the strategy is developed. And honestly, we are at a point where so many people in America feel like the party has abandoned them. And we're at a point now where we have to have an aggressive Republican party that is going to fight against things like the FBI being weaponized against regular Americans and their speech. The idea that the Federal Reserve just lied their ass off to Americans wholesale and affected the market. The fact that the Biden administration is able to just openly lie about everything and parents' rights are being taken away. And you can't mm -hmm. afford basic things in your own community because of inflation. And they're starting a bunch of proxy wars to, to, to launder money through foreign countries. You're going to have yeah. to put up or shut up. You're going to have to fight. And I'm just not seeing it from the Republican Party. I don't feel great about the win in the House of Representatives because I don't know if it's ever going to actually work for me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a bunch of mushy mouth nonsense where they're going to be more afraid of what's going to be said about them on CNN than they are about doing the right damn thing. Exactly. And that starts at the committee leadership. So that's my mm -hmm. recommendation to everybody there. Uh, but for the time being, and maybe people are going to be upset by this, withhold your money. If that's what the most yeah. important thing is to Ronda Romney McDaniel, then withhold your money. Because apparently that's what speaks to her. So mm -hmm. make your voice heard. Don't donate a damn dime to them until they prove to you that they have earned it. Yeah. But there needs to be a... I think a big reorganization of the Republican party. And hopefully that can be, that issue can be forced. Absolutely. And it's okay. I mean, the, I, the party is not attached to the ideals. They are different things. The party is supposed to implement those ideals. And when they don't, we get rid of them and they're not. Mm -hmm. So we should get rid of them. And no, I'm not going to advocate for another party that just ensures that Democrats win. The Democrats love that idea. They are the ones that are pushing it. Anytime you see somebody forcing the idea of creating a third party, it's likely a Democrat who just wants you to lose. So don't fall right, into but that. But essentially state. you could subvert the Republican party. And that's, I think what the, the end game should be a subversion and takeover of the Republican party, even if just at the local level, so that at the federal level, it could be more difficult, but maybe start at the state level. If the Republican Party at your state or local level was wholly taken over by people that believed the way you do, and then Republican Party corporate, roughly, couldn't really react, would have to deal with your wants and desires because you're the ones that run it at the local level, that might be a good place to start. No, it certainly is. Getting, getting involved is always going to be an aspect of this. 
uh, getting yeah. involved, talking to your friends, getting them involved. And to be honest, I understand it's a heavy lift and this is going to have to be kind of the final thought on the program here. I get it's a heavy lift. I get it's annoying. Make it fun. You yeah. and a group of your buddies decide that, you know what? Tuesday is the Republican party meeting and we want to be a part of it. We're going to party. Let's go tailgate and then go to the Republican party thing and take it over. Make it fun because let's be honest, it, it actually can be. It's not, it doesn't all have to be boring, lame committee stuff, but make it look the way you want it to look. And I want to see regular salt of the earth Americans. I don't care how ridiculed we get by the mainstream media. I think it's a good thing. If you have a guy that by day, like if you have a guy that shows up and he is the chairperson of the South Carolina GOP, and when he shows up, he's still wearing his jumpsuit and his hands are covered in motor oil. I want that because I want liberals to make fun of that guy because then a bunch of Americans feel like the, the liberals are making fun of them. Mm -hmm. That only Definitely. works in our favor. It doesn't need to be a bunch of lawyers who all graduated from Georgetown. It needs to be mechanics and plumbers and construction workers. That's who needs to be running this party for the American people. Let all the elites from Harvard run the shit lib areas. They're all indoctrinated anyway. So take the party exactly. back for the people and it'll just reveal itself as being the right choice at the end. But that's going to have to be it for this week. Uh, make sure to go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong radio and sponsor our program. I'm Aaron from the East Coast. I'm Alan from the West Coast. This is Wrong Big Radio. Good morning, Sunday morning.